Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the 3-0 Take, sponsored by Dugout Mugs. This is episode 134, the Mike Yastrzemski episode. I'll be your host, Kyle Corn, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate. What up, what up? Got a little bit of a bonus pod this week. You know, we're again... Again. Just out here, just out here grinding, just getting crazy content for you guys. We are so close to baseball. Don't know if it's permanent baseball, but we are close to opening day baseball. And I'm sure you're getting sick of seeing inter-squad practice highlights and stuff. So why not just listen to another gem of an interview? Yeah, I can't. I honestly can't remember the last time we did two episodes a week. I guess it would have been what the last Probably week of the last season? season. Yeah, I was gonna say last season. We definitely didn't do it during the off season. I'm excited to get back to it. This feels yeah, good. Definitely, definitely feels right during the off season. Yeah, couldn't. This yeah, feels this right. Is, it does feel right. This is a this is like a true intro. Usually, uh, usually when we do these interviews, our intros are done after the fact, kind of let you guys know what to expect, but. We don't know what to expect. We don't know what to expect. We haven't yeah. we haven't chatted with Mike yet, so I'm looking forward to it. So am I. Um, I think you guys. I I have a couple gems that I uh, little notes that I wrote down of some stats about Mike that for some of you fans who aren't Giants fans may not know, and it's I'm excited to hear you know his thought on it, but like. Dude, there's some stuff that, you know, you and I researched that is kind of impressive. And for me, I feel like he's the player to watch for San Fran next year or this year. Yeah, this this season that's absolutely 1,000% going to happen. Attaboy. I've been, saying since, I've been saying since day one. I don't know what this attaboy. Good. I've been saying since day one this, this season's going to happen. It's going to finish. Yeah. We're going to have a postseason. No, we're actually absolutely not. But Wow. We were close. We almost had the positivity. Maybe, losing. maybe next, maybe next episode. Maybe I'll be all the way there. That was just I, a little bit it. of a little bit of a teaser. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I was I was thoroughly impressed by some of the things that I came across researching old Mike Yastrzemski. He's like you said, he's going to be exciting to watch. I I think again, even if you're not a Giants fan, I think as a baseball fan, this dude's got he's got quite a story. Yeah. But he's also just an exciting baseball player to watch. Like he's not going to be out there like he's not going to be the flashy type, but I mean he's, he's going to go out there, there and he's work. Gonna, he's going to work, he's going to make yeah. the plays and he's going to he's going to put a charge into some baseballs as I'm certain we'll we'll touch on briefly during our conversation with him, but I mean I agree. I it's it's cool when you get in my mind Especially in baseball, I think it's cool when you get, you know, generations that follow. You know, it's kind of rare. You know, the Boone family is one that comes to mind where they had the brother and his dad and his grandpa. They all played. Um, you know, it's the Griffies, obviously. It's rare to see, um, you know, talent being passed down the way it is when you have arguably one of the greatest players of a franchise and then his grandson comes up and 
now he's starting to make an impact for a team. It's it's really neat to see in baseball. So it's obviously we don't want the entire interview to be about his grandpa, but we have to acknowledge the fact that his grandpa is an absolute legend. Nate, we were so close to having him be like a franchise player. He was drafted by the Red Sox. I know. He wasn't ready. He was still he was still cooking he was it born, up. He was born in Massachusetts. I mean, ah, the baseball guys just <laughs> must have been sleeping or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's cool, man. It's we cool. We were so close. He's, he's going to be all right over in San Fran for now. You never know. I mean, especially this year. Could be a team looking for an outfielder slash... DH that has some pop. I don't think the Giants will be in the mix. Don't tell Mike that, obviously. We will leave that out I later. But I don't know. You never know, honestly. You never know. 60 there, games. As we've already established, there's no sleepers. Yeah. You go with, uh, if you have a 10-game win streak this year, it, it's just as good as having a 30-game win streak any other year. So, you never know. This is going to be interesting. I don't know. I think a Giant. I mean... They're not, Gi- in They're not in it. They're not in it. Come on, bro. Anybody is in the is in the hunt at this point. I'm telling you. Hey, I'm rooting for Mike, but uh, uh, yeah. yeah, dude, Mike's gonna. Mike's a great dude. That that guy can play. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, the, Giants? Yeah, the Giants. The Giants. Flashback to uh, what was it last season? Remember when it was like? Oh man, it must have been like August when I was. I think I picked them to sneak into the playoffs over like adorable. Who was it? It It was over. You know, no, I had. Hey, I'll own it. I think I. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I said I would pick them to make the playoffs before I picked the Twins. To sneak in. Woof. But to be fair, to be fair, it didn't end well. But to be fair, remember last year how I was just so up in the air on the Twins. You were for a while. I was, con- I was convinced uh, that the I was immediately were still pull it out. Yeah, I was, but I was, I was that way right off the bat. You kept your judgment out for a little bit longer. Either way, the Giants aren't doing anything this year. Wow. Mike will go off. I hope he goes off. But the Giants, bro. The we, Giants. We, we got Pablo with an extra twenty bills on him. Yeah, what are we? What did we guy, ever talk that guy about? Just that keeps getting bigger. Wow. Hey, let's not go bash on Mike's teammates. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's fair. No, Mike's gonna go off. But Giants. Pablo, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, no, man, even Pablo. Just... No, dude, Pablo knows he owns it. He's We're gonna not be busting some more right belts now. this this year for sure. Well, fortunately, he well, won't be doing it in a Boston Red Sox uniform. That's all I'm going to say. He got that quarantine body. No, y'all are just still paying for him. Hey, quiet down. <laughs> quiet down. You know I'm right about this. You got anything else before we hop into this? That's it. Enjoy, Mike. We're excited. Hope you're excited. The dude, um, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people this year. I can't wait to watch him. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Yastrzemski. All right, so we are here with San Francisco Giants outfielder Mike Yastrzemski. Mike, appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for having me, guys. So at the time of this recording, we are a week away from games. Where's your head at right now? 
Um, got my first hit of summer camp today, so we're uh, we're trending up. <laughs> uh, feeling good. You know, hopeful that the season's going to get going on the right foot, and uh, I think we've been doing a good job of following protocols and keeping everything under under control. We've uh, kind of asked – we get a ton of pitchers on here for some reason. I don't know why. It feels good to finally have a hitter. First of all, um, but I feel like everyone's under the same impression that I think the edge goes to the pitchers right now, especially in the beginning, just because you're not having the same amount of at bats or opportunities to get things in the, in the flow, you know, get into that groove. Have you guys tried your best to like, you know, when you were quarantined or is there tracking, like, what are you doing to make sure your eyes are staying, you know, in coordination with the hands? Yeah, I had a, a couple things going on. Um, I was able to get a few live at bats. Um, Sonny lives 15 minutes from me, and then Kirk Asali lives 10 minutes from me, and they obviously both play for the Reds, so we were kind of quarantine buddies. So um, I did get some live at bats, but it's weird getting three to five at bats every 10 days or so, or every seven days. Um, so you can only do so much in that. Uh, and then the second part of that is I did a lot of virtual reality training. So I used that win VR um, and those guys have created such a cool product and done a really, really good job of actually analyzing timing and rhythm and letting you go in there and kind of have live at bats at home. So I did a lot of that. Do you like actually hold a bat and, and swing and everything while you're looking at it? You you can, yeah. So they have a bat with a knob sensor. And then uh, what you can do is, so they don't have any um, sort of hitting metrics on there yet, but it has your timing. So you're, it, it registers your first move. So it's a, essentially trying to tell you when you're deciding to swing and when not to swing. And so it, it kind of helps and gives you the optimal time that you should be starting your swing. Uh, same thing. So like the timings change. So if it's a fastball, so it's a 90 mile an hour fastball it says you should be starting your swing at 20 feet after their release. So essentially when it's 40 feet away, now if it's a breaking ball, it's going to be closer to you when you should be deciding to swing because of the velo difference. So they, uh, they show you all of that and it's, it's pretty cool. That's gold. So kind of in, in conjunction with what you're doing uh, to stay game ready on the, on the more, protocol side of things what has that been like for you guys in terms of what that process looks like because I feel like a lot of what I'm seeing is it's it's kind of varying from team to team like it seems like some teams are are maybe treating it a certain way whereas other teams are maybe taking it more seriously not as serious or they're just handling it different so what does it look like for you guys um, San Francisco was a huge hotbed at first, uh, obviously because you have a big city with a ton of people, there's a lot of close contact. And so the city took a really strong stance on it and did a great job kind of flattening their curve. And so we felt very obligated to follow those protocols. So, um, it's mask everywhere inside, everywhere outside in the public. The only place that you're not wearing your mask is when you're on the field and, all of our guys have honestly, like we've had our masks on us. And so you're wearing your mask in the dugout. Um, Some guys are just wearing it all day. Um, But I think some organizations that are in cities that haven't been hit as hard probably do take it a little lighter because they haven't seen um, such a high rate. And so I think that 
you know, it's just important for everybody to be on the same page and realize that the mask necessarily isn't for you. It's for somebody else. And if you get somebody sick who, whose body isn't going to handle it well, then that's on us for not participating in being safe. Um, so that's where I think the, the smartest standpoint on wearing mask is that, you know, even if it's uncomfortable, it's an inconvenience for a little bit, but uh, you may be saving someone's life by doing that. So what's it been like in the clubhouse, like from a, from a team standpoint in terms of what your all's plans are for, I mean, obviously the whole going out, the eating out, the going to bars, that kind of thing, that whole landscape changes with this season. What, what are the conversations like surrounding those things? Um, It's kind of just hold yourself to a really high standard of being smart. Like we're not even going to each other's rooms. Um, All card games are going to be played online somehow. Um, You know, a bunch of guys have been playing Call of Duty, so that's that's some sort of team bonding off the field. Um, Because you got to have a little bit of both, right? You got to have some fun with your teammates, Um, and that's really hard to do when you can't go out to dinner. Um, You know, you can't you know kind of show guys what it's like to be a big leaguer. Um, So it's it, it is a little bit of a loss, but we can do it for 60 games and then hopefully at some point we'll get back to normal. All right. So we have masks. We have new home run celebrations with certain dudes not doing high fives. We've got empty seats. We've got audio being put in through the speakers. We've got DoorDash showing up to the hotel room. We got all this new stuff. We have runners being put on second base for extra innings. We have everything coming in, hitting hard in 2020. Mm-hmm. Of Everything that we're doing, everything we're going to experience, what are you most looking forward to about this season? Um, I think just like, I think you're going to see some interesting sides to players. Um, you're going to see how much guys really care. Um, there's a lot of players who get, get, there's guys that get dogged for saying like they don't play hard or they don't care. Um, I think you're going to see how much guys really do care because there's such a short amount of time to capitalize on winning that it's going to show off. And with no fans, there's no just injected adrenaline. You know, you got to create it yourself. And it's like the sandlot. You got the sandlot with the best players in the world. Uh, You're like playing backyard wiffle ball almost uh, because there's no fans. There's no crowd noise. You know, sure, there may be walk-up music, but um, it's just going to be a completely different atmosphere. And I think it's going to be cool to see guys just show up strictly for baseball, um, which I, I think is the best part about it. So like we said, we're not, we're not here to put you on the, on the hot seat, but in your honest opinion, based on the way you've seen things progress over the last couple weeks, couple months, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not people think this season is going to finish if it gets started. What are your, what are your thoughts on kind of the longevity of the season? Well, I think the way that it's been going so far, we have a good chance. Um, everybody's been doing really well on their testing and all of that sort of stuff. And so I think that as long as we can continue that, then we're going to be okay, right? Because we're not walking through airports. We're not going out to dinner. And as long as you're kind of following the guidelines that are put in place to protect us, then we're probably going to do really well in terms of keeping this virus away from the field. But But you never know. <laughs> Right, exactly. You never know. This is yeah. it, I, we have flying snakes and 
some some squirrel just tested positive for some new thing in Colorado. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah, let's go. Next level yeah. Jumanji. Um, yeah. all right, man. No more corona stuff from me anyway. I don't know what Kyle yeah, has on. No, day. I'm I'm tired of it. <laughs> um we're gonna we're gonna get this out of the way because i want to get to mike grandpa absolute legend you're talking the other dude not me diehard red Sox fan love it Um, i had to wear wear the sock shirt for good vibes (laughs) just just want to just need to get that out there yeah i'm a diehard yankees fan but i can still acknowledge the fact that grandpa was arguably the best ever do it for the Red Sox franchise. So mm-hmm. tell us what that was like, man. What what was it like being a kid watching your granddad do the things he did and then for you to follow in footsteps and eventually become a big leaguer yourself? Yeah, it was uh it was pretty crazy. Um I always got a ton of attention when people heard my name. So like even being in a barber shop or just when I played hockey, like all of it, like anywhere I went that had my name on it, people were always like talking and I could always see them. Like, you know, you always feel those eyes on you and it was weird for a while, but it kind of gave me like a little bit of an edge. You know, I had this like chip on my shoulder, number one, to, to be my own person. And number two, to kind of like redefine what people thought of me. So a lot of people think of someone who, kind of comes up with somebody who's famous like that you know like oh they're rich or they were given everything in their life all these different scenarios and um just assumptions pop into people's heads and so I never wanted that to be the case I always wanted to be um the kid that worked hard for everything and everything that he got was deserved and so that kind of created a a pathway for my baseball mentality which I think was really one of the only reasons that I have gotten this far in my career was by having that mentality um but it was it it was times where it was distracting in in the boston area so um with all the the good you know obviously you have to have some bad i always got chirped in high school like kids would always tell me i wasn't going to be as good as my grandfather like the big state game stuff like that i'd get worn out in the outfield Um, kids are mean it's that's just a fact (laughs) yeah that's that's how it is in high school right like everybody wants to feel important and (laughs) be noticed and that's just like that's part of growing up so um we got we got the full spectrum there so kind of continuing this this theme again like like nate said we want to we want to get to mike the 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 ball player but we can get there at some point as we already alluded to big socks guy here so i gotta ask walk us through for those who may have not already heard your your take on the on the story walk us through what it was like being able to come to Fenway obviously putting one out over the center field wall mm-hmm. catching the first pitch from from old grandpa I mean that you can't write a better story than that except although I will say Nate and I were talking before we hopped on with you being drafted by the Sox and growing up in Massachusetts maybe that could have been the ultimate story but if yeah the only happen, other way if that couldn't happen at least we got what we got last year so t- tell us yeah. about that um so i i grew up obviously diehard Sox fan going to games from you know the the veritech a-rod fight to nomar to the bloody sock to oh everything just like i lived and breathed with the red Sox, and 
I had so many vivid memories and this is where I did get some serious benefits from being a Yastrzemski was getting to go to a ton of Red Sox games. And so I had so many memories of walking through those, just the corridors and knowing where everything is and having those memories of like what it sounded like as you walked up through the tunnel to get to the field. And I got to walk in on the first day super early by myself because nobody was, um, no one was around. I had to go to media for the day. And I just had this like flood of emotions. Like, like I, I'm not here to watch a game. Like I'm, I'm here to play. Like this is really happening. And that was probably the coolest part about the whole experience was walking through just like walking past like all these hot dog stands that I used to go to and like all these places where I used to try and buy beer when I was too young, like all these things, like <clears throat> all these memories of just like nostalgia, you know, like this is where I learned what baseball was and now I get to play here. Um, so like the home run was great. Catching the first pitch was super cool. You just can't ever envision being with your grandfather on a big league field in front of 30,000 people. Like, that's like the ultimate dream. Um, and I was, I was, I was skeptical at first to do it. Cause like, how often are you going to hear about an away player catching a first pitch? Um, and so I was like, I'm not doing it unless he wants to. And uh, I'm sure somebody pressured him into it, but it, it turned out really well. And then you hit, you, I mean, and then you went yard like dead center. <laughs> yo, yeah, yeah. All the jitters are out of the way. The nostalgia goes away when you're in the box and you go yard there had to be like some inner joy childhood smile as you're rounding the bases. Right. Yeah. Um, but as cool as it was for myself, like what I really got a thrill of was like all my family there. And like, I, I can only envision if I were in their, in their shoes, like being able to watch someone that I cared about so much accomplish that. And one of my cousins broke one of the seats in right field because he was like jumping up and down on it and so like it was it was just bizarre so I keep envisioning things like that and I have the video of um like my mom grandmother wife my all my in-laws were all just standing there hugging each other and I was like that that's what makes it so special that's what it's all about having so many people that you care about be able to experience that with you and so um that was what I take more from anything out of that i'm getting chills i'm i'm a diehard yankees fan man like i've got i've got but at the same time you're like you gotta respect baseball gods work in mysterious ways man and i think that it's it's a pretty neat thing to to be able to say your family got to witness that moment and you got to do it with your grandpa there i mean that's that's just cool right and then my grandmother got like so she came down on the field this is my mom's mom she came down on the field for the first pitch with the whole family that was down there. And then my cousin, instead of me trying to get tickets for everybody, um, he orchestrated like a a group purchase and sold like 350 tickets to like friends and family that were all in the same section in right field. And so (laughs) not only was she on the field with us for that, but then she goes on the field in like the fifth inning to be recognized for like, you get to recognize one person as part of the group that gets to be like honored for the game. And so she's like down there by herself in like the fifth inning. Like it's just like it was so cool. Sheesh, that's cool. I'm jealous. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm jealous of my last year self as well. <laughs> well, speaking of, it's funny you mentioned last year. 
trick kind of transitioned into as we promised mike the ball player making your major league debut last year i wanted to get your take on because from what i've seen you forget you progressed very quickly from guy just arriving on the scene to we're talking about one of the team's best players so from your perspective how do you feel about or where are you at on the spectrum of you feel like you're trying to earn your way versus you're kind of looking around being like, I've, I made it. I'm here to stay. Um, I think you always have to have a little bit of that mentality where you feel like you belong. Right. So from day one, uh, I had this kind of just carelessness about being in the big leagues because all I ever wanted was one day. So if I had one day in the big leagues, you can always say you were a big leaguer. So that was like my end all be all was like, if I go through all the bus rides, all the PB and J's, the ramen noodles, the hard boiled eggs, like if I'm going to do this, I want to say that I was a big leaguer. And that first day I was like, all right, I, I could get sent home right now. I could be told I'm never playing baseball again and I'll be happy. And so that's what kind of just gave me the freedom to be myself up there you know young guys that get called up that feel like they need to perform to stay or they have this pressure um like it, it's hard to do it's hard to deal with and so what I felt was that if I'm just appreciative of, of every day and every other day that I get to stay up there it's a bonus right so tomorrow's a bonus so I just kind of looked at it that way and it took all the fear and anxiety away and allowed me to just play baseball sandlot style I love it. So I I think it was 73 home runs as a minor leaguer in seven years. Mm-hmm. And then 21 rookie <laughs> season in 107 games. Tied for yep. most on the team, I might add. <laughs> Talk to me, dude. Because, like, what – was there a mechanical transition? Was there a mentality transition? Was there a hitting coach change? Like, what switched it up for you? Where did that come from? Um, kind of all of it, you know, I, uh, I had some struggles with some of the guys in the Orioles organization with swing stuff. So I had a vision of what I wanted my swing to be. And they had a vision of what type of player they wanted me to be. And they weren't meshing well. And so what I always thought was like progressing my swing and trying to get better, right? Like, I'm thinking like I'm still in AAA for the fourth straight year. Like I need something to change in order for me to go to the big league. So I got to figure out how to do something. So I want to get better natural progression. And the way that it got kind of provided back to me was like, why do you always have something to change? You always want something different. You always have something new. And I'm like, yeah, I know because it's not good enough yet. And so then I get traded to the giants and the first day that I get in the cages, I'm hitting with the hitting coordinator. And, and I'm not a big guy. I'm 5'11", 180, soaking wet. And I just tried to put on a show. And so I swung about as hard as I could for probably 30 swings. And he's like, man, I love your swing. And I was like, whoa, what? Excuse me? And he's like, yeah, like, I, like, I think you're going to do a lot of damage here. And I was like, great I haven't heard that in six years like this is (laughs) it's really cool and it was like this like freeing mentality of like having them just like give me the freedom to do what I wanted as a player and become who I wanted to be 
And it wasn't necessarily to go out and hit 21 home runs. It was more about like having the aggressive mentality. Like I can do damage. I can hit doubles. I can hit triples. Like I can drive guys in. I don't have to just be this little slap hitter um, or try and go out and steal bases and just play good defense. And so when someone tells you that someone reinforces your own ideas about yourself, you're going to kind of feel good about it. And that was something that kind of clicked for me. So, I mean, it, this is even sweeter now that you explain this story. <laughs> Can you please tell me who you hit your first big league home run off of? Which, which team was I, that? I hit it off of the Baltimore Orioles in Camden Yards. Baseball <laughs> gods, man. In, <laughs> yeah, right? It's crazy how it works. Nate, I like, I like talking stats here. Let's, let's remind him in case he's forgotten which – he may or may not have. And also for our listeners, let's uh, let's talk some of the hard hit percentages from 2019, shall we? So I got, I mean, I got two, probably three things I could say. Ball State of two. I don't know if you knew this. Your uh, OPS plus last year, which I'm not a big, huge new stat era guy, but I know it's important now. I'm more of the old school stats, but this is still impressive. Mm-hmm. Two guys that are always talked about. You're right around the same age. You're right around the same point in your career. Your OPS plus was tied with Shohei Otani and was cool. 17 points higher than Vladdy Jr. Pretty How about much. that? Yeah. See? I don't I don't really know what OPS plus means, but Me I either. I just read it and I just <laughs> wrote it down. So <laughs> I think it sounds cool. I like the name, but I'm somewhere near. Those guys are awesome. Something else. Your uh your hard hit percentage, your hard hit rate which I believe it's velocity and then like angle of what you're hitting it at. So whether it's a line drive or a hard fly ball or whatever. Yeah. I think we can comprehend that one a little better. Yeah. That one's a little easier. Um, I wrote down some names that you're higher than your percentage is better than. Okay. This is again for, I mean, I, I don't know if you're paying attention to this, but it's more for our listeners just to wake them up a little bit. It's higher than Pete Alonzo. Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, Whoa. Gary Sanchez, Frankie Lindor, Charlie Blackman. Those did are they, some um, big names. Did they, do, did they do contracts based on hard hit rate? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got to be. <laughs> That'd be cool, it's gotta right? It's got to be available, right? That's, that's gonna, knowledge we've got to go in. I'm going to hire you guys to make a case for me after hearing that. Perfect. I'm free. Let's do it. Cool. <laughs> That's impressive, dude. Like, these are big names. And I don't know if it's the East Coast bias. I don't know if it's, you know, the big, you know, names coming up through systems like a Vladdy Jr. or a, you know, home run derby champion in Pete Alonzo. But, I mean, these are names that that's pretty good company for when you're talking about, you know, our most popular names in baseball right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to to be even like – near those guys is super impressive for myself. Like I just feel humbled, you know, like that's super cool to know. Uh, those are, those are things that um, are not necessarily brought to our attention, but when you hear them, it's like, damn, maybe I should feel a little better about myself more often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since you just said you got your first hit in, in summer camp, I mean, you're cool, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're good. Oh, we'll, be all right. we'll, we'll find it somewhere. <laughs> I mean, given what we just talked about, do you do you feel like 
at this point, entering your second season, do you feel like you're a little underrated maybe? Um, I don't know. I don't know what people really think of me. You know, I can't really put myself in their, in their shoes, but um, I think that the only way that you handle that stuff is by believing in yourself. And so essentially you have to think that you're the best hitter on the field at all times. And in, in my brain, that's what I do. And I think that's the only way to be successful in this game is to say that you're better than the guy across from you. Gotta love it. Simple as that. Simple as that. That's that's it. That's how you're successful in the big leagues. I'm hearing this chip (laughs) on the shoulder. I'm hearing this confidence. I'm signing up for it. I'm all about it. Love it. You're in a division with a team that I'm tired of hearing about, that most people in the NL are tired of hearing about. What is the San Francisco Giants mentality when it comes to the conglomerate that is the LA Dodgers in your way? Yeah, I think um, I think what we have to do as an organization to to really be recognized in this division again is just to wear everybody out, just be more energetic, be hard outs, um, have just grinder pitchers and guys that just work hard. And, and I think that when you have guys that play hard, it really does kind of tire the other team out, whether it be mentally or physically, we want whoever our opponent is on that weekend or weekday to just be exhausted when they go home and be like, God, they wore us out. Even if we lost, um, we want them to be exhausted and remember that we gave them a tough game. Well, I mean, it's that mentality when hitters get in there and they're like, yeah, I may have grounded out to the right side or, you know, struck out, but it was a nine or 12 pitch at bat, right? It's that mentality mm-hmm. that let's grind, let's wear these guys down, let's get into the bullpen eventually. But if you have that everywhere on the field, it doesn't yeah, matter how much the payroll is, right? The Dodgers are Exactly. Be yeah, just make them work. Make, you know, make guys be frustrated. And when guys get frustrated, they make mistakes. And then when they get mistakes, that's when you got to jump on them. So if we can force people to make mistakes by – either being careless or being exhausted, whatever it is, we don't care. Just try and force it. I'm just, Nate, I'm just sitting here thinking it's very evident to me that Mike Yastrzemski played baseball at Vanderbilt University and played under Tim Corbin <laughs> based on the way he's answering these questions. I got to love it. Putting on a clinic. We want to try to, let's try to, let's try to open them up a little bit. Kind of transition out of the reporter type questions a little bit. Cause we, I mean, we had to, we had to run by the run through those stats because, I mean, that's just – you got to talk about that. Impressive stuff. In terms of some things that are still baseball-related, but a little more kind of loose-ended, for me, I wanted to ask you, again, entering your second year, you got a year under your belt, what was something – what was like a myth that you either debunked or was confirmed when you got up to the big leagues? Like something maybe you had heard about in – in the minors or even before you got into professional baseball, you're like, ah, oh, I wonder, wonder what that's like. Wonder if that's true. What is something like that, that, like I said, you either confirmed or debunked once you got up there. Um, confirmed is definitely show flights and show hotels. Oh my God. I mean, it's just like, it's ridiculous. So I'll get a good story for you. So I got called up. My first trip was to Miami. So we take a cross country flight and uh, I I like whiskey. And so guy sitting next to me, uh, the stewardess comes up and says, would you like something to drink? He goes, yeah, I'll take some Woodford. And I'm a big fan of Woodford reserve. And so 
I looked over and I knew him and we played against each other in the SEC is Trevor got. And so I looked over at Trevor and I was like, what do you got there? He's like, Woodford. I was like, damn, that's nice. Like, okay. And I was just sitting there sipping on a Bud Light and <laughs> I was like, do you bring your own bottle or what? And he was like, no, they have it. I was like, what do you mean they have it? He's like, just ask him for it. And I was like, what? Like that, that's a thing. Like you can just get Woodford on the plane. You don't get that on those like, bus rides. <laughs> no. And they're like, yeah and I was like okay so that's super cool and then <laughs> all my buddies came out to uh to San Francisco for the game but they didn't go to Miami so they're out it's probably we get in at three o'clock in the morning and get to the hotel this is the first Ritz Carlton I've ever stayed in and I didn't know what to do like I, I didn't know how to act I didn't know like what room service was any of this stuff and so they FaceTime me and they're at Waffle House at like two in the morning and they're like, dude, what's it feel like to put your head on a Ritz Carlton pillow? It's like, <laughs> uh, feels pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, this is great. So the the show hotel and flight is definitely, um, you know, a myth that is accurate. Perfect. Because I, I was going to ask, like, what are – everyone kind of has, like, the two categories, minor leagues major leagues right like everyone you just confirmed it with that story this is like top shelf treatment everything is gold for us and then all of minor leagues is just bus rides and stinky locker rooms and stuff is there a difference with the levels that you went through in the minor leagues was it all just blah um no there were some good ones actually the best Spot in the Orioles organization was their short season team in Aberdeen. Um, it's the Ripken field. And so everything was brand new and super nice. Um, and then as you like progressively went up, things got like brutal and then you get to double a and you get treated a little better. And then triple a is obviously like one step away. So you get treated well. Um, and the facilities end up being a lot nicer because you have guys that are big leaguers playing in triple a, um, and you start interacting with those guys and you see, you know, how they handle themselves and how they, um, how they act pro. And so those are, um, it, it varies with every organization though. Some of them have really nice stuff. Some of them don't because all those minor league places are contracted out. You know, some of them are, are owned by the team, but most of them are not. So um, they fluctuate every now and then. So, I mean, doing all this traveling, I mean, we've already touched on it. You're an East coast guy playing on the West coast pretty much been to everything in between i'm sure what are some of your favorite what are what are some of your favorite cities that either you've been to in the minors or some of these big league cities that you've been making your ways around to um obviously the big ones like chicago is really cool um boston obviously um la is really cool just traffic's terrible sneaky sleeper city is uh charlotte it was awesome down there super cool um a lot of great restaurants great nightlife and uh, they have a brand new stadium there which is beautiful they get a ton of fans um that was always my favorite road trip to go on in the international league um trying to think where else was good trying to think you're talking you're talking bbnt right yeah was that was that where you played when you were there was that yeah i can't remember how long ago that was that they got yeah we i think they maybe 15 or 16 okay 14 or 15 something like that um it was always there when i was in triple a 
So what are we? Uh, what do we got on tap, man? We we saw your wife sneak out for a run. Well, right before <laughs> we hopped on. Yeah. Are we? Are we movies? Are we shows? How are you passing the time? You're stuck. Like you said, you got card games kind of going on online. Maybe some Call of Duty. What have we been doing? Yeah, a um, lot of cards with my wife. Um, we're big into gin and gin rummy. So um, we, uh, we, we have good battles back and forth, you know. Uh, I like to say I hold my own against her. She's got all the luck. Uh, so I have to cut her luck with some skill. But she's a, she's a great card player. So we always kind of – we get super competitive with each other. And she is uh, – she's feisty and a grinder. And she's super fun to compete against. And so we do that a lot. Um, we've been watching a little bit of TV shows and a little bit of – Mixing a little bit of Call of Duty, you know, got to get competitive there too. There you go. MLB the Show by chance? Uh, I don't have it. I got an Xbox, so no, no PS4 for me. I got gotcha. you. Have well, have you at least seen like footage of yourself from the game? I haven't. No, I've the only thing I've had is uh, I've had a couple buddies just show me like pictures of my picture on there, and they're like, "Dude, just hit a homer with you," and I'm like, "Awesome! Go, can you do it in real life, please?" <laughs> No, I was just I was just asking because I I try to ask guys to see if they've seen it and how accurate they felt the show got it because sometimes they're just way off. Sometimes you give them the wrong sponsor cleats. I didn't know. Well, you're seeing like <laughs> really Madden, Madden ratings just came out, and you're seeing like all these players like, "What are you talking about? I'm way faster than this." Or yeah, like they got me with a visor on my mask, and I don't wear a visor. Like there's just stuff that they change so i mean i feel like mlb the show is pretty accurate though yeah i had to do the uh that camera thing for the first time this year in spring training where they like take your picture with 700 cameras all around you it's like it's kind of crazy <laughs> well i mean I it's know, the I, suits that they used to put on that like you have all the <laughs> yeah like the the like bubble that. chart suits yeah doing your stance and stuff so I mean, it's getting there it's getting better yeah yeah they're getting there so another question I want to ask you, Mike, in terms of your jersey number, I was curious what the, if any, kind of decision process went into selecting the number five. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think in college you were 18. Is that, I was, is that yep. correct? Mm-hmm. So in terms of those two numbers, was it intentional? Are you planning to change anytime soon? What's, what's the story behind those two? if any. Yeah. Um, college, uh, was just given to me, uh, Corb's just kind of, he's big on being low maintenance. And so he doesn't let you choose your number when you're going in there, or at least that's how it was when I was getting there, or maybe I just wasn't good enough at the time for him to let me pick my number. (laughs) He'll probably tell you that's the case. Um, but yeah, he just gave it to me and I was just super happy to be there. So I was like, yep, 18. Cool. Great. Take it. Don't care. And then when I got called up, they gave me an option to wear five, eight, or 28, or 20, 28, I think it was. Um, and so I didn't want to wear eight just because I knew I'd have enough attention on me. And, you know, it was it's my grandfather's number. I don't, I don't need to, to try and make it something that it's not. And I was number five in Sacramento, and I've been playing really well that year. So um, I actually had my wife's help, and I was like, well, what do you think? Like, what? which one do you like? She's like, five feels really good right now. So we just went with five. It looks good, man. The five yeah. with that 
always got to get the single digits if you can. Yeah, yeah big, big single like digit guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The Those move. old, the old school numbers look so good in a single digit. Hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. I love the way it looks, man. That single digit with that relatively lengthy last name. It, it looks sharp, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I like it. From from lat to lat. <laughs> no doubt, love it. So Kyle touched on it. We got some myths that need to be confirmed or debunked. Yep. Um, I'm curious about it. Kyle and I have visited this ballpark. It was amazing as far as a ballpark goes. But I'm going to brag on you a little bit more. You hit a ball insanely far. Like six miles. In course Field. <laughs> to, yep. to be exact, it's 472 feet. Dear Lord. Yikes. Uh, is it is it true about Colorado? Is it true about Denver? Is it nice visiting there and being like, I'm excited to hit right now? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know what it is like, whether it's the whether it's actually the elevation or whether it's the mentality of being like, I know the ball is going to fly here. Um, you just kind of have a good feeling going into that ballpark. And the other thing is, too, that no one talks about is that field is massive. Like, the, the gaps are so big, and so there's so much space for hits. So, yeah, everybody talks about hitting homers there, but, like, there's a lot of hits in that outfield. There's a lot of ground that you have to cover, and no matter what, as an outfielder, you leave exhausted. Like, the, the altitude, how far you have to run, I mean, everything is just – it's big there. I mean, I saw that swing. I'd, there's no cores effect there. For, <laughs> at, least, at, least for, at least for that one. I, I can't speak to any of the others, but for that one, yeah. no cores effect. Speaking of ballparks, Mike, what are some of – because obviously playing in the outfield, I mean, this isn't, this isn't shortstop, second base, even third base. I know sometimes it gets a little tricky for them down the lines, like Oakland, for example. Mm-hmm. But yeah. playing the outfield, there's really no consistency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. what are some of the parks that you like playing in as an outfielder, whether it's because it's challenging or whether it's because you know, you're not going to have any issues that day. Yeah. Um, I love playing at home. Um, honestly, it's one of the, probably one of the toughest outfields to play in the big leagues, but I like the challenge. I like the weird walls. Um, and the wind is so hard that it just, it keeps you engaged in the entire game. There's no routine fly ball there. So you're never just camped under a ball and you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be super easy. Um, it's so tough there. One place that I don't love is Arizona. Um, they have this kind of crazy concoction on the turf. It's like a composite coconut shell that they mix in with the rubber, which is super weird. Wow. Um, and the dome, <clears throat> the dome's kind of tough to see balls, too, so you have to get used to it. you got to shag a lot of balls to get used to it. And that uh, that right field fence that looks like it's mesh is actually like metal chain link. So it's like there's no give to it, not fun to run into, and there's not a true warning track to give you like a, a huge heads up that you're going to be running into it. Yeah, I, I feel like the dome – well, because theirs is like the half where it kind of slides open. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of things that I feel like a lot of fans don't think about for outfielders. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at like the trop. It's, why did we paint the ceiling the same color as the baseball? Right. That doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, that's that's got to feel pretty cool. I mean, that's something – do you like having as – a, as a Major League Baseball player, 
do you like explaining to people these are some intricacies that aren't being talked about on TV that aren't being you know recorded on social media there's some things that we have to think about as players do you like explaining that stuff I like it with people who understand and appreciate the game that's for sure but when it's just like it's like Twitter trolls that are just like chirping you like <laughs> oh yeah there's no excuse you're like come on man like some some people are just trying to find a way to make an impact on something whether they think that they're going to get into your head or they're going to you know figure this like big discovery out about baseball that's been around for 150 (laughs) years that they're like that hasn't been thought of already um but yeah it's super cool to let people in on some some of those really small intricacies that like really appreciate the game and study it and understand it because it, it is a game of knowledge essentially and it's, it takes a lot of intelligence within the game to understand it kind of transition off the field what is mike yastrzemski doing off the field you're in the cars you're in the fishing i know you mentioned a little bit of a little bit of xbox from time to time yeah what else, what else uh can we find you doing on a given off um big golfer Oh, love boy. golfing. Um, like to fish too. Love fishing. Um, so those are my two like main hobbies. Um, I like bass fishing, but I'd rather fish in the ocean. So I grew up fishing for striper up in uh, New England. So that's kind of like where my heart lies. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get on the on the lakes. Favorite sport to watch outside of baseball? Uh, hockey or football? I can. That one's kind of split for me. I like both of those. I'd say up in New England, you you're pretty set with both of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, we got I both of those understand. for sure. Yeah. So you're a Pats fan then? Yep, diehard Pats fan. Like, so can't are go you... to any other team other than the. Pats. <laughs> so are you pro Cam Newton? Are you still bitter about Tom being gone? Like, what's what's it feel like? I'm super bitter about Tom being gone, but I, I think Cam's a great athlete and a great player, and he's he's very smart. And, um, you know, in, in Bill, we trust. So sometimes you just gotta, we're going to find out who, who was better, you know, whether it was the combo, whether Brady was just so good at executing or whether, you know, some people used to say that he was just a really good system quarterback. Um, so I I guess we're going to find out. So we, uh, shouldn't expect you to transition to any fanhood of say maybe the 49ers anytime soon then. Is what I, I'm I will I will root for them I, I will root for them as an NFC team until they're in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and then I'll just be kind of like like I, I still win either way but um, my heart has to stick in New England with the Pats are you boys with Mark Wahlberg yet like have you guys gone to New, New England games or no what? dude I've been I've been waiting for it you know I've been waiting <laughs> for a call from him I haven't gotten it yet um, no it's funny you mentioned that though those are those are two guys that like are like my only starstruck people where I I feel like I've met throughout my life. Like I was fortunate enough to like, I got to meet Nomar. I got to meet Pedro. And so I was never really like the starstruck type of person. I just understood that um, like athletes and actors and all these people that we put on a pedestal are just regular human beings and they're all super cool. And, but Wahlberg and Brady are like the two guys that I just like, I would just kind of like crumble. I'd just be like, uh, (laughs) hello, like, good, good to meet you. (laughs) I think those would be my word vomit guys for sure. (laughs) We mentioned like Nomar and guys like that. I feel like 
growing up in that area around that time, like there's a lot of guys that you could have really latched onto and been like, this is a guy I kind of want to grow up to be. Who is, who is that guy for you? Like who is a guy that, whether it was an outfielder or really just a, a player in general that you kind of looked up to that was, I guess you could call your favorite player growing up aside from easy answer, your grandfather, but different era, obviously. But in terms of when you were growing up playing ball, who was that guy? Um, Obviously like the lefty outfielder Griffey, you know, you can't, can't ever miss that. But my Red Sox guy was Trot Nixon, believe it or not. Uh, He was just, just like, yeah, he was a, like a grindy dirt bag. That old, hat, dude. That, I, just, yeah, I always think like, of that hat. <laughs> he almost had like the Japanese like triangle, you know, it was just like, <laughs> and so I was just like, I loved it. It just looked, it looked like he loved baseball and loved being there. So um, he was kind of my, my idol of that, that era of Red Sox. I'll fire some people up here. Probably myself. Your least favorite <laughs> Yankee. Um, God, Boone, that Homer, oh, Wake was just okay. like, I, I don't forget that, you know, it just kind of <laughs> like crushed me. Uh, I, I, I would probably tell him it to his face. You know, I just be like, yeah, you're my little <laughs> you know, from a deep, a deep place in my heart as a 13 year old New Englander, I, I definitely had some foul words for him back in the day. I think I have, let me see if you can see that. There you go. There's a little signed photo of that home run being hit. Oh, great. Right next yeah. to Cal Ripken. Yeah, we don't thanks need to talk about thanks, this Thanks for the memory. Yeah, don't need to talk about this more. Mike, worse. Those are those are those oppressed memories, all right? Just, like, just push them deep down and forget push them Deep, very yeah. deep. Worst misspelling of your last name that you've ever come across? Oh, God. There's too many. I mean, I, I, I have people that try and, like, spell my name with a W when I say it. I'm like, that's. Eh. That, I don't think that's right. I don't. I don't know where the W would come into play. Yeah. Um, yeah my. Uh, you'll love this. My wife called me Mike Yamaha the first time she ever met me. No, like ne- had absolutely no idea. Which was like part of like the biggest attraction to her was like she was the sweetest girl in in all of Vanderbilt and just like just didn't know my name. Like that was great for me. I was like, this is so cool. Like she has no idea. <laughs> What's the, what was the context there? Was it like a group of friends or were you guys like out together or? Um, the first time we were introduced was we were trying to get answers for a math test coming up that we didn't like have studying for. So like all the sororities had these, uh, these like lists of tests. So like previous tests. So you had like an idea of what the layout would be like. And we were studying with one of the girls that we met in our math class and um, Paige came up and just to talk to one of her friends. And that's when we met for the first time. And she did not remember my name, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be, I, I, I feel like that's a great point. That's got to be refreshing to, to meet somebody that just doesn't attach anything to your name. It has no kind of preconceived notions about anything. That's, I could yeah, understand like, you'd have appreciation. It was like she, she almost didn't even like care to like know my name. So I was like, I kind of want to make her know my name. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess she's yeah. going to have the same last name now. <laughs> yeah. I think you won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That one. Uh, all right, Mike, we're going to go way off the beaten path here, dude. Yep. We're, we're going to go, we're going to get weird for any of our OG listeners. 
they know Kyle and I play this game back in back in the off season days because we get crazy bored. But I'm curious to see your end. It's called the or game. Okay, so it's either or. Mm-hmm. Too much cheese or too much sauce on a pizza? Do I like or can I not stand? What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> oh, too much sauce. You want too much sauce or you hate too rather, much sauce? Yeah, I would rather have too much sauce than too much cheese. Interesting. That's a, yeah. that's a, probably not, not a popular answer. Yeah. Probably not. I'm a big cheese guy. <laughs> uh, it's definitely not a popular answer. <laughs> Uh, the office or friends? The office. Love it. Oh, Hot yeah. dogs or brats? Hot dogs. Fenway Frank, to be specific. Okay. There's no better answer. <laughs> no better. Chipotle or any other burrito from literally anywhere else you can think of? Oh, that, that changes things. Because, like, a traditional, like, Southern California burrito is – Kinda up there. Kinda They're weird sneaky. in California. They throw like yeah, like fish or French fries in there. Yeah, they do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the California burrito. Ooh, he's taking the other Pro- the other probably option. probably another unpopular answer. <laughs> uh, would you rather play barefoot or in vans? Barefoot, big barefoot guy. No All, balls, always. The toe kind of thing. Uh, worth it for freedom. Wow. <laughs> um, you want volume too loud or too low on a TV? Too, too loud. Perfect. Feel good. Long sleeves in the dog days of summer or no sleeves in postseason baseball? No sleeves in postseason baseball all the way. Just Smart. New England you, roots, baby. Yeah, you're not a sleeve <laughs> guy at any point, I don't think, right? It really at any I, point of the year. I, I have worn sleeves here though with um with the wind it does get chilly um and I also get like super sc- like scarred and scabbed up on my elbows from sliding so that's kind of useful a little bit all right all right you're doing okay so far i got I got reasons you know I, yeah. I, can, I can figure something out all right you have to sit in the front row in the movie theater or you can sit oh. in the perfect middle spot but the person next to you doesn't shut up Oh my God, you guys are mean. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what I would answer to that. That's <laughs> front row. I hate when people are talking in the movie. You have to like you watch the left yeah, side, um, I'll watch the right side kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going to the chiropractor the next day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, beer or seltzers? Oh I wanna like I wanna keep giving stipulations to this, like hot summer day on the lake. Uh, wherever, overall, wherever your mind takes you during this game that's the beauty of the war game overall beer all right it's fair safe answer i feel like yeah, san fran's got some some wild stuff out there in terms of seltzers and all other sorts of beverages do. and foods out there yeah, yeah california are interesting them. they are i don't know <laughs> i'm i'm just an i'm an overall coastal guy both coasts that's it. <laughs> there you go uh gatorade or powerade gatorade Smart. Yeah. Very classy. smart here. Classy, if you will. This is probably the only tough one. Would you rather hit a home run or rob a home run? Ooh. Uh, rob. 
Wow. Because the hopes is that you're going to hit more than you're going to rob. So we'll leave them out. <laughs> Very good. Mike, you did well. That, that's the or game. We haven't busted I, that out for any players, so you should feel special. Awesome. I, I do. I feel very welcomed. Well, Nate, we got the grand finale, obviously, at the end, but do you got anything else you want to squeeze in? That's it, dude. I'm I'm super excited to see you play. I was excited doing my research, reading these stats about you. I had no idea. I really hope that this helps shed some light on what you're going to be as a big leaguer, but uh, – as a Yankee fan, and with your last name, I'm afraid <laughs> to say I'm definitely going to be rooting for you moving forward, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a ton of fun. So, Mike, before we wrap up with the grand finale, I got one more question for you. Oh, yeah. If you could pick one moment in baseball history to make someone a fan for life, what would mm-hmm. it be? Um, a boon moment again, right? No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> so, if I wanted somebody to never watch baseball again. Thank you. Pick. Thank you. Um, probably the Dave Roberts steal ah. against the Yankees. I, I think that's just – that's one of the most incredible th- – Every I see those eye rolls, but think about it. Like, every single person watching the game, every single person in the stands, every single person on the Yankees knew that he was running. Like, to be able to steal that bag is so hard to do. And you can't love – you cannot love baseball after seeing that, even as a Yankees fan. Here's what I have to say. Kevin Millar doesn't get enough credit for that walk. One. True. Very true. God forbid Mo developed a slide step at any point. It would have been perfect for that moment. <laughs> and Jorge Posada has a, just a noodle arm. So, that's – that's all I'm going to say. That's all right. Nate, you know, excuses come from denial. You know, ah, you just, there it is. It's <laughs> I okay. It. I, I feel for you. I am here. I am here in empathy. Uh, I think I'm Mike's biggest fan moving forward. <laughs> well, I guess, it depends me on out. The, I guess it depends on this final question. It does. Nate. This is, this is the last question for sure. We have to, we, right. it's kind of a thing between me and Kyle. We ask every player yes or no on mint chocolate chip ice cream yes i am i i love mint chocolate chip let's go it's got to be green right yeah it can't be no it's not peppermint no no can't be the white stuff it's got to be green yeah for sure yeah we could wrap it up with a nice little bow i'm killing it i'm taking off (laughs) the tallies are just overwhelming on my side what what's the hate on it i i want to hear that side of it i just don't want to I'll give my stipulation, kind of, kind of like you yeah. do. I just don't want to eat something that tastes like the thing that I use to brush my teeth in the morning. That, that's kind of my logic on that, and I don't think it's terribly flawed. I, I feel like that's pretty. Like, do you like sense. chew? Do you ever chew like mint gum though, or <laughs> any, anything else mint? Like, I mean, fair, fair. Uh, yeah, I, like I can't, it, there's nothing I can say to that. I don't, I don't know. What I, I, I would have bought like I don't like chocolate with my mint or something like that but the the toothpaste thing i I can't get on board with maybe he made i think he's exposing some of the i said it wasn't flawed logic but maybe maybe it is i think it is because (laughs) it's getting overwhelming this i mean we it's is your wife a fan as well of mint chocolate chip yeah uh no actually not oh see there you go kyle you're not totally crazy we can talk we can talk yeah Yeah. mike is 
appreciate you hopping on with us, man. And as Nate said, going to be big fans moving forward. You certainly have a bright future ahead of you, and we will certainly be following along every step of the way. Appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, man. It's a pleasure, boys. All right. That was the Mike Yastrzemski interview. Nate, I'm going to say it for you. Dude was a gem. Yeah. Let's go. That so, was a blast. That was um that was awesome. Um a lot of fun. You said it was up you said it was up there close to your one of your favorites. Might be one of my favorites. Might be one of my favorites. Mike is uh Mike's a cool dude. Yeah. I mean, like you and I were talking about obviously the connection to his grandfather, just an awesome story in and of itself, but I think if you take that away and you just look at Mike the ball player? Yeah. The dude the dude's making a name for himself. That's like, what I'm saying. When I was researching stuff about him, it was impressive. You know, diving into some second level stats and diving into what he can do specifically offensively. Um it, he's going to make his mark. You know, he he's going to be a very much trendsetter type player in the Giants in the Giants lineup. I don't know this year. I don't. No one knows this year. I don't think we can really expect anything too much offensively from anyone this year. Um, but the guy's gonna put in work, and I love his mentality. You know what I mean? Like he's got. It's almost like I have this legacy of this name that I have to live up to, but at the same time, I can't only depend on that legacy. I gotta make a mark for me. I gotta make. Mike, the baseball player that that is his own outside of Grandpa. So I mean, that's cool. You know what I mean? That guy, that guy is the right mentality, and I, I feel like we just get really good, genuine people on this on this podcast. You know what I mean? It's when we when we talk to players, it's like, again, this is what we're trying to to tell everyone is that like most of these dudes are just regular guys, just regular people. They're really good at their job. Some of you out there may be really good at your job. Their job is to play baseball, which is way cooler than any of our jobs. But they're really good at their job, and they're also a good human being. Why can't you be a good human being? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's exactly my hope, and I'm sure it's your hope as well, is just bringing that humanness, if you will, yeah, to your earbuds, just giving you an inside look to these guys and showing you that Yes, while they can hit a baseball 400 and, what was it, 72, 72. feet? 472, crank. <laughs> while they can hit a baseball 472 feet, they're just regular guys. Like, Mike just wants to go out and fish for stripers or head out on the ocean and do a little deep-sea fishing. It, like, it's just stuff like that. Where, yeah. so, And he even said himself, like, we, we put these athletes on pedestals and it's like, they're just, I mean, sure, there's certain ones that kind of transcend the, yeah. the regular dude moniker, if you will. But these these people are just regular people, and that's what we're trying to do by the, bringing you these interviews is showing you that, yes, they're very good at baseball, but they have a life off the diamond. And that's what we're kind of trying to let you in on by yeah. talking with these guys. I mean, a little peek behind the curtain. Kyle and I have this speech before every interview and it's to the players and, and, sh and telling them that we're just trying to be the medium of them representing themselves. 
they go to the field every day. They put on the uniform that their brothers are wearing. But baseball doesn't individualize their players as well as other sports. NBA, Russell Westbrook has his brand. LeBron James has his brand. Football, Tom Brady has his brand. Yes, these are MVP caliber players, but they're still individualizing themselves off the field no matter what. Baseball's horrible at that. So we try to tell each and every player that right before we start recording, that's what we're trying to do. So for you guys listening, enjoy it. This I feel like this is new territory. You know what I mean? It's awesome for me, personally, getting to talk to professional baseball players, whether they're freshly drafted, whether they're studs in a lineup, whether they're still trying to make their mark in the league. That's pretty exciting for me. And like these are the guys we're watching on TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's growing, one, my baseball knowledge. It's growing my fandom. Yes, I'm a diehard Yankees fan, but I like to learn about other programs. I like to pay attention to other players. You know what I mean? It's like when, play, when people do fantasy baseball or fantasy football. You have your favorite team, but now all of a sudden you're paying attention to those players on other teams. That's what it's done for me. And I think Mike was a perfect example of broadening our horizon a little bit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a guy that's had to broaden his own horizons. Like he, like you're talking about, he's a new England guy, but gets sent over to San Francisco and has to kind of figure out what that life is like. And through him telling us a story of what that transition was like and things he's had to adjust to and, and new things that he's maybe taken on or grown an interest in. Again, it all goes back. It all circles back to us just trying to bring those stories and those behind the, behind the curtain looks into the lives of these guys to show you like, yeah, they go through struggles. They have things that they have to like, yeah, sure. They may make a lot of money, but they have things that they have to kind of overcome on a personal level or things that they have to deal with as a, as a family unit, if they're married or have kids or whatever. There's a lot of scrutiny that comes with it. And can you really outside of professional sports, can you really name where it's normal that everyone knows how much money you make? That's a personal thing. That's a private thing. I don't announce how much money I make. I'm not interested in telling everyone. For them, it's publicly known. And I think for, for uh, I hate to call them fans, but for, you know, like trolls on social media, when you throw that stuff back at them, it's like, how would you feel? How would you feel if you if we announced how much money you did or didn't make and for it to be used on your work ethic? You know what I mean? It's, yes, it is a game, but it's still a job. It's, this is still a business. If you feel that it's just a game, if you feel that they're making too much, stop watching. Stop buying their stuff. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that we have a humble dude like Mike and a list, a long list of other humble players that have come on here, I think it's awesome to be able to get to know these guys, knowing how much money they make, knowing the lifestyle that they get to live sometimes, but yet they're still cool. Can't do it really anywhere else. That's all I'm saying. All I know is the baseball fan side of me yeah, absolutely you, love this you, conversation. You got I feel like you got 
fulfilled quite a bit. This, yeah, this was like I said, this was a blast, and I know I mentioned to it, mentioned it to him briefly before we hopped off, but like, I'm really gonna start tuning into this guy's career. Like, I yeah. really want to follow him and see just how good he ends up being because he is setting himself up for a solid career and he's only in his second year in the big leagues and we're talking about him being one of the best players on his team at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And I think I mean for you listeners out there that hopefully are doing the same thing, that hopefully dive into any of these players that we've talked with, uh, um I think when someone asks you why your favorite team is why your favorite team is or why you, who your favorite player is and why you explain a lot about the stuff off the field. For me, anyway. We idolized Cal Ripken growing up. Because of his character. Because of his working class, everyday kind of mentality that he took for playing consecutive games. The character of the human being is something that I think is cool. I, I grew up wanting to be a New York Yankee because of the tradition you know, I don't think about specific plays. I don't think about specific games. I don't think about, you know, a lot of the things that everyone you would guess thinks about. You When you dive into players and hopefully listen to players during interviews or during podcasts, you get to hear that's like, wow, I'm going to root for that guy because I know he's a good guy. I got to talk to him. You know what I'm saying? I got to listen to him on a podcast. I like that guy now. I never had a platform where I could do that before. We have that now. So I think makes it even better. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think I can speak for both of us when I say uh, big Yaz guys moving forward. Big time. That's all we got. That's it. If you don't freaking rate or review or subscribe after this, uh, I give up on you, truthfully. Yeah, I might be a little biased, but I think this was... Maybe one of our better, it's no big thing, better episodes that we've ever put we, out. We so. came in, we showed out. It's no big deal. Don't go chasing curveballs. We love y'all, and as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy. <laughs>